Hello, everybody. Welcome to Superior Pod Crime. I'm RJ Drolly. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Vanderslice, and welcome to the Crime Podcast, where we discuss local and global crimes, solved and unsolved. Today we have a killer story to tell about murder, money, and of course, love. The story begins in a bright June day, 1997. A man by the name of Bill Mathers decided that he needed to go out on a date. That morning, Bill woke up was what one could describe, describe as a typical morning. He got up, he showered, he went to work as a post office clerk, came home, excited for his day to go out with a girl named Darlene. What Bill didn't realize is that he would never make it to the date. But, RJ, you have a great sponsor to share with us today. That's right. Uh, clean up those blood stains with ivory soap. Boy, if you want to commit a murder today, make sure you get some ivory soap. You can clean those blood stains off your hands, on your shirt, anywhere in between, and walk away smelling fresh is ivory ivory you know you know rj i uh i off this guy last week and i had a huge blood stain on my shirt and i was thinking what could i possibly use and i was walking to the supermarket people were looking at me weird Mm -hmm. but now with ivory soap i can get those stains right off the police off my back Mm -hmm. yeah so if you're a murderer out there use ivory soap so that way we have more podcasts to tell and remember, folks, this is the only podcast by murderers for murderers. Don't listen to us. We'll kill you. Now, let's let's rewind the tapes and, and, and get all the facts and, and see what happened with Darlene. Now, Darlene, now Bill was a 37-year-old man from uh, South Carolina. Darlene was a 21-year-old spry young cheerleader for South Carolina State University. So one day, she gets done with her cheerleading practice, mm-hmm. and she sees a mailman delivering mail, as they mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. and she is immediately drawn to just the ability that this man has to deliver mail. Mm -hmm. So she goes up and talks to him. Lo and behold, it's not Bill Mathers. No, he's in North Carolina. So this has nothing to do with Bill at all. But this just got her hooked into male men. The world of mail. Yeah, she just loved it. She loved the fact that her parents can send her anything, a college. She waited days for different packages to arrive. 
loved letters that she got. And loved this, sending letters. This is where our case takes a dark turn. Mm -hmm. A turn down murder lane. Mm -hmm. One day, Darlene, sitting on her porch, awaiting the arrival of her new custom pom-poms for her cheerleading career. She dances around practicing her routines. The mailman arrives, hands her a letter. She opens it. It was not addressed to her, but she opens it anyways. Inside, a letter proclaiming love for a woman. It was a love letter that she intercepted completely by accident. Yeah, it was addressed to Susan, but she didn't know what to do. She didn't tell anybody. She just responded. She responded to the letters. She responded Wrote. to the letters as Susan. Yeah. She kept responding, having messages back and forth between this mysterious man sending her letters. And Susan, eventually, it gets to, they want to meet. She's never met this mysterious person before in her life, but she wants to meet him. And from all the research, and you could go to our website, and we have all these uh, messages on our website, free mm -hmm. of charge. On the letters, there was no name provided uh, mm -hmm. from the mystery man. So mm -hmm. she's just writing to just a random, he would put B, that's it. He, he, he wrote the letter B, that's all, all the clues that they gave, um, that this mysterious man gave. Uh, but she was convinced this is her love, love of her life. She wanted to go, she wanted to go see him. Even though she wasn't Susan Downey, she would profess her love to him when they met. And she figured this would all, it would be okay. Little did she know, it wouldn't be okay. It would be anything but okay. And folks in the audience, you got to remember, this is before, this is 1997. This is before internet dating and everything. So this is kind of the first, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, one of those where you pretend to be a catfish. Yeah, this is, yeah, this, this is before the hit MTV show Catfish even came out. So the, we don't know what's going on. We have they no just idea. assume that this person is a real person. As, as we know now, that's probably not the case. And as Darlene found out, it wasn't. B thought it was Susan. And Susan thought, hey, this is just a gentleman named B. Yeah. But Susan was out there going, where's my letter? B's never sent me any letters. What's going on? And now she's mad. Susan now, through her own research, she, complete independent of Darlene, mm -hmm. had also fallen in love with B via pen pal. Yeah. And she was so in love with B through his, and, and we have to highlight his ability to ba basically just write poetry in these mm -hmm. letters. He mm -hmm. made women all over the country fall in love with him just by his pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so Susan finds out the real Susan is mm -hmm. so in love. She goes on a little witch hunt to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And she finds out exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. She, as 
Darlene was off to go meet B at an unspecified location. We still don't know where that location may be. Um, we, nobody knows. Uh, it was always unspecified. There were little clues in each letter that the cops were trying to figure out and uncover, but they just never could. One so, of the one of the uh, sorry RJ. One of the big clues was B had sent uh Dar Su Darlene, but which mm -hmm. he thought was Susan. Susan, an Applebee's gift card in one of the mm -hmm. latest letters, mm -hmm. and so. At the time, according to police interviews, they assumed, well, this is a slam dunk. They're going to be at Applebee's. Turns out, in 1997, zero Applebee's in the state of both North and South Carolina. Yeah, it was very confusing. They, they didn't know where to turn. Applebee's, Bob Evans, Boston Market, they didn't know which where to go. It was it, I, B was throwing people off the scent. He wrote words so well that he, in turn, confused himself. Some oftentimes would confuse himself. And as we get later into this, we'll reveal, but he was writing so many different women at a time that he often, not only were his words so intoxicating that he himself got intoxicated, but he was writing so many women, sometimes he didn't even remember. He would just mm -hmm. be shooting Applebee's gift guards left and right. Darlene was going to visit B. In an unspecified location. In an unspecified location. Only B and Darlene knew where that meeting was taking place. Except for one other. Susan. After her correspondence with B for some time before Darlene took control of those letters. She she had a hunch of where they would meet. So, on that day of June 1997, as Darlene was making her way up to the unspecified location, Susan was already there waiting. Jesus. And... I'm, I don't I'm know about you, but this murder story is making me shake. Just like Jello does. Jello, it jiggles, it shakes. Mm -mm -mm. Strawberry, grape, orange. You gotta love Jello. So, on that night of June 1997, Darlene arrived to meet Susan who was already there. And in a state of absolute confusion, Susan proclaimed she knew everything. She and Darlene was not convinced. She thought this is a this is just someone, an imposter trying to goof around. Susan detailed very specific information from those letters that only the writer of that would know. And at that moment, Darlene took a deep breath and wrote in her journal, which we now have found years later, I feel like I'm going to die tonight. What police report next will 
disturb you, you will not sleep tonight. Darlene saw Susan, her last name, Susan Bradford, B. Susan was B. And what is more frightening and bizarre is that Susan and B were writing love letters to each other. Mm -hmm. What What's even crazier about that is B was writing letters to Susan. So Susan was writing letters to herself. So this jealousy of her not getting her own letters drove her insane. She wanted to take she was she, she wanted to take out her rage. Take out her rage on a date with murder against Darlene. Oh, Darlene. And poor Darlene is catfishing their uh, the uh, catfishing a a, 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 catfish. a catfish. Yeah. The That's catfish like has been catfished. Yeah, two fish together have been cat catted. We have so much more twists and turns to get to, but I want to bring up our, our next sponsor. This is just a, a person that has changed my life, and they personally are a listener of the podcast, called me directly to say mm-hmm. how much work we've been doing, changing the world, getting these cases out there. But they really just want to promote uh, their name and their brand and their social media. So today our sponsor is OJ Simpson. Mm-hmm. He just wants us to get the word out there that he's got a new Twitter. He's mm-hmm. he's got a new lease on life. He's mm-hmm. done with the bad behavior, and he just mm-hmm. wants to talk about fun goofs and fantasy football. And mm-hmm. and as a crime podcast, we can relate to a man wanting a new lease on life. So mm-hmm. OJ, you're out there. We hear you. We salute you. We respect mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. uh, go check out his Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Just glad he's a fan. So Darlene and Susan have now met in person and, mm-hmm. and Darlene now knows all all the details that Susan is B and B is Susan. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know about you. I I I my sneakers flew off after I heard mm-hmm. this next bit of information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as a finally came together after Darlene had written in her notebook I think I will get murdered tonight they stared at each other for an undisclosed amount of time some police say it was between three to four minutes of eye to eye contact the Greenville County Police saying that they believe that that took place for three to four minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, conversely, you have the Richland County Police, mm-hmm. a separate investigation into this, claiming mm-hmm. it actually took four to five minutes. Now, how do two separate police divisions come up with such differing data on such an important case? It That, that minute of time is the difference 
between Darlene being here today and not. And and I and we understand the police weren't at the scene when this eye contact is, was taking place. But the fact that it's so divisive is jaw-dropping. That just makes the case that much more interesting and that much more intense. I think this is truly, this did not get a lot of press back then and that's why we're bringing it to light on the podcast. It got swept under the rug. This has the potential to become a modern day sort of one of those great divisive cases in the media, like the Casey Anthony, where everyone's on the fence of, did she do it, did she not do it? Uh, we're not here to do that, we're just here to give you the facts. And the facts are, two separate police uh, reports were completely different. And by the time the Richland County police arrived on the scene, they reported that Susan and Darlene were hugging. Because as you and I, when we first dove into this case, we thought Susan was going to kill Darlene. I thought it that was wasn't the case dunk. at all. Yeah. Based on all the shows we've done over the years, mm-hmm. I would have bet my life savings. Yeah. But actually, they thought it was really funny and they became what they thought were going to be lifelong friends. Little did you know, three days later, is when Darlene would meet her demise. Everything we can kind of, we can kind of distill some details from the two mm-hmm. police reports. Darlene and Susan became friends after that meeting. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. what everyone thinks might have happened didn't. They immediately thought, what a hilarious conundrum. Mm-hmm. Let's be real life friends. Mm-hmm. So then three days later, they now have each other's contact information. They want to meet mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So they agree to meet in a bar. Mm-hmm. So the timeline of this is very fuzzy. And this is mm-hmm. where a lot of gray areas come up. Because mm-hmm. according to Darlene's journal, mm-hmm. the date was set for 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And according to Darlene's journal entry, and the, This is all on our website if you want to see the snapshots and everything. Mm -hmm. She had fallen in love with Susan and B physically and uh, the letters verbally. Mm -hmm. So she went into this date, according to her journal, actually fully expecting to potentially have a sexual uh, encounter. Yeah. Yeah. So she's ready to meet at what she thought was going to be at 7 p.m. at the bar in South Carolina, very popular, The Bowery. 7 p.m. sharp is what she thought. So she's getting ready, as one does before a date where you're expecting, you know, some fun. What she didn't realize is that It wasn't at 7 p.m. that she was supposed to meet. It was 8.30. And this is where this case goes off the rails into cuckoo land. Mm -hmm. Because what no one knew up until this point, no one one was asking any questions about Susan Bradford. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Why was she writing the letters back and forth? Was there something going on there? Mm-hmm. I think Darlene, the young, spry, 21-year-old, no life experience to draw upon, mm-hmm. immediately was just intoxicated by Susan, mm-hmm. didn't ask enough questions about how weird everything was. So one of the things that um, Susan was a insane control freak, and the fact that Darlene got the time wrong of the date was a huge sticking point in this whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the time Susan got to the bar at 8.30 p.m., like she had said, Darlene wasn't there. She thought she had been stood up. So did Darlene. She waited around for an hour, waiting for her the love of her life, Susan, to be, meet her there. And she never showed up. So she got out of the bar. And what police report said is as she left, uh, a gentleman came up to her right before she left. Started talking to her. And as she left the bar, the gentleman followed. I Listeners, I, I hope you're ready because... This is a Six Flags roller coaster because what happens next will haunt you. You might have to go to therapy after this. Darlene is stood up at the bar and by Susan and a gentleman, a young, attractive gentleman comes up and starts flirting with her. And he's, according to her journal, he's very handsome. He's very attractive. But she is so devastated by Susan standing her up. She has, she wants nothing to do with this man. So Darlene leaves. She's Susan's not coming. This is bad. Mm-hmm. So she leaves. The gentleman who was hitting on her follows her out of the bar. And at first... Darlene writes in her journal, maybe it was just a coincidence, it was starting to get a little later. This was a mile walk back to her door. So as she continues to walk, the man still continues to follow. She gets about halfway to her dorm and realizes this man is legitimately following me. She starts to sprint in a fear in a sweat of fear she runs she gets into the room she thinks he won't be able to get in the dorm room runs up the stairs slams the door shut she's in the clear and she's huffing and puffing thinking i i I beat it i i beat him and 15 minutes go by and she's wipes the sweat off her face she's good not you know the guy didn't get in Right at that exact moment, boom, 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 the guy's at the door. And the first rule that we both stress every episode is don't open the door for anybody who has followed you home from a bar. 
you know how it, many how many of these episodes have we been doing hundreds hundreds it, do you least, know how many murders would not happen if people just didn't open their doors of people that followed them home from bars we wouldn't have a podcast if that were the case but people keep opening the door keep it locked folks keep the door locked in fact put a couch in front of the door double bolt it really make sure nobody can open the door or when they knock and say give at least give a who is it exactly don't immediately lunge to unlock and open what is wrong with you people yeah. who is it if they say anything suspicious yeah don't let them in yeah if if the first words out of their mouth after who is it is a murderer don't don't answer it what are you expecting when the guy on the other side who's followed you home from a bar bangs on your door you say uh who is it i'm a murderer here i'm a murderer and i'm here to murder you what do you expect the pizza man no it's not papa john doing a bit it's a murderer trying to kill you papa mm -hmm. john doesn't have that level of sense of humor that and that is a great you bring up a great great point it's a great segue for us to bring up our next sponsor which is wayfair buy furniture to help your safety now i know we've gotten in the comments before we we know wayfair absolute dog shit company uh terribly made products we understand that and we know that but they're our sponsor and we can't badmouth them but we do want you go to wayfair.com use the discount mm. murder 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 twice mm. buy some extra dressers and some extra couches so you can push that up against the door when people come knock on your door yeah i have four couches in my living room three of them are stacked on top of each other in my front door i have to use my dog door in order to get into my own house that's how much I care about safety. Yeah. And for me, it's, I, I have a second couch backed mm -hmm. up against the door. And that's why if I'm not going to take my shirt up, but I have an incredibly bad bruised shoulder because mm -hmm. every time I come home, I just have to keep banging it until the couch moves ever so slightly. I can squeeze in like a pencil. That's why I have to keep my diet so low is I have to keep myself slim enough to squeeze mm -hmm. through the door. But you don't see any murderers in my house. But Darlene, unfortunately, Broke wasn't her. around to hear our advice. Exactly. And she unlocked the door. And who showed up? The man who had been following her for over a mile from the bar to her dorm. He walked in and closed the door. And locked it. And locked it shut. Now, police report reported and asked around, Darlene's roommate Sarah was not there that night. She had an alibi. 
She was not there, so she doesn't know what happened. But the two dorm rooms right beside her, on the left and on the right, were there. And they reported hearing a commotion. The dorm room on the right reported hearing some yelling, some crying. And this specific line that Darlene yelled, I don't care. I still love her. Now, the reports on the left was a college party of sorts. Uh, a, a lot of f- freshman frat men who have yet to be welcomed into their fraternity house were living, throwing a party right next door. And what they heard was some crying, but what they thought was moaning. So they, what they reported to police is they left their party in their dorm to put their ears up against the door to hear what was happening. And the neighbors to the right also came out and knocked to see what was going on. And what was reported was after the door was unlocked and opened, the frat boys ran in to give the man a high five for what they thought was he was having a sexual encounter with a girl. And a a second police report by the University Public Safety. Another of the frat guys ran in because he believed it to be an orgy. So he wanted to join in. So then you have one side saying, call the police, something dark and mischievous is happening in there. You have another side throwing a party getting excited what is going on mm-hmm. and then and one of the things that strikes me about this whole case is time and again you see these split down the middle moments where one police case sees three to four minutes another police case sees four to five minutes mm-hmm. one side of the room hears sexual happening and another side of the room hears badness happening so that's just a theme of this case that that was really stuck with me but as the frat guys run into the room they run they charge in the man escapes into the night now from darlene's journal that we just recently discovered that's the only way we're able to do this it's the only way that's why the police reopened this investigation was because they found her journal that she was religious with writing her everyday life in. So in that journal revealed who that man was. Because before that, nobody knew who this mysterious man was. Everybody reported this man following her. The bartender said, oh, like this man was was here and then he left trying to follow her, not sure what was going on. Fret men were like, what's going on here? We don't know. It was revealed that it was Susan Bradford's ex-boyfriend. Who, by sheer absurd coincidence, was actually Darlene's soccer coach when she was three years old. Mm -hmm. so 
they had had a prior history mm-hmm. uh and now it comes full circle soccer to susan mm-hmm. so what they specifically talked about um we don't have exact details but we do have references in the journal where darlene said he talked about susan and how dangerous she could be Mm -hmm. and so the next morning after this mysterious man who we now found out to be susan's ex Darlene didn't take the advice from her former soccer coach. She decided that she needed to confront Susan face to face about why Susan decided to stand her up the night before. And a line from her journal is, I will not allow her to hide behind her letters anymore. Mm -hmm. So Susan... Uh, excuse me. So Darlene now, in a in a fit of rage, is able through uh, the now new connection of the soccer coach, which we still have never seen this man, never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. But she, after that encounter, had developed a contact, was able to get in contact with Susan Bradford and set up another date, mm-hmm. and this time. They set, they made sure they were on the same page, exactly seven sharp, mm-hmm. same bar, the Bowery. Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Mm-hmm. The Bowery, seven sharp, no excuses. If you don't mm-hmm. show up, bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Little did they know, bad things were going to happen before 7 p.m. sharp. So, Darlene, once again, she's upset, but once again, this is her last chance for love. Mm -hmm. She gets all dressed up. This time, she's not exactly expecting, you know, maybe a a fun encounter, maybe a sexual thing happening, but she's thinking, this is my chance to get back on line with Susan and, and form a relationship. She orders a taxi that night. The taxi pulls up. No other than Susan Bradford's brother is driving. But that that is not relevant to this case at all because mm. he was just picking up shifts on the weekend to pay his bills. So he was just going to drive her to the date. No big deal. Mm. He drops her off. Right outside the bar, 6.45. I don't even know if I can say what happens next. As she leaves the taxi to pay, she reaches into her purse to pay the cab fare. Which, and I, we have to be clear here, for all of our Gen Z uh, listeners, taxis aren't Ubers, so you can't pay it on your phone. You actually have to use cash. Uh, they have then, a meter. 
now that, they even have like if you go in a taxi they have a credit card swiper that was not mm, a thing back then no. you had to pay cash exact cash exactly so she reaches into her purse to pull out $25.03 which the taxi then just bumped up to $26 and as she's going into her purse she realizes she's short so she has to she has to go into the bar to ask for change so as she goes into the bar she pulls out $40 and asks for one $10 bill, one $5, and five singles. This is all in the police report. I'm not making this up. This is all, this is, this is very important. Gets all of her money and she comes back to the cab. Now, as she walks to the cab, somebody else is already getting in. She thought it looked a little strange. And I, this is, I'm getting overwhelmed because this is just getting, this is getting to the part, like I have goosebumps. And I, look, like, I, I, I'm just, I'm getting, I'm getting nervous. I have a backup shirt because I'm already sweating through this one. I'm considering putting my more furniture in front of my door. Yeah, I because know. I'm getting, I'm just getting mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting nervous. Um, so, she goes back to the cab. Someone else had. By the time she got, that ended up kind of being like a 15 minute, mm-hmm. getting all the cash and everything. So the taxi driver's there waiting. He's not gonna drive off without his payment, or else he's gonna mm-hmm. be in trouble. Who is the the brother of Susan Bradford? Mm-hmm. Someone else is getting in. Darlene is very turned off by this. She, mm-hmm. she, a sixth sense arises in her. Which, by the way, um, why didn't you have that sense uh, in all the previous encounters with this case? Right. You're just right. now developing a, a, a spooky sixth sense. Mm-hmm. But anyways, she sees someone getting into the taxi, and and, and just something is off about it. So. Instead of kind of just going up to the taxi and paying, she gets back in in the uh, mm-hmm. front passenger seat. And she's, I'm going to sit here for a few minutes because I just think something's off. Mm-hmm. She sits there and the brother of Susan Brad, the taxi driver, is saying, where's my money? You need to get out. I have a client. Uh, boom, boom, boom. There's someone in the trunk of the car. So Darlene panics. She said, "We have to. We have to save. What? What have you done? We have to save this person. What? What? What have, what have you done?" The brother of Susan Bradford, the taxi driver, slams on the gas, shoots the car off. Now he's road rage driving away. She, Darlene, has just uncovered some secret that she was not supposed to know. Boom, 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 she hears from the back. The car speeds past red light after red light. Darlene starts to scream. What are we doing? What is going on? 
Susan Bradford's brother, the taxi driver, after about 30 miles of road rage speed, this is also a kidnapping now. Mm-hmm. Darlene, please tell me what is going on. Slams on the brakes, looks over to Darlene, and says, I am Susan. And right, and before we get any further with this, I just want to say, if you need to make sure your getaway car is up to snuff, AutoZone has got you covered. Be sure to use AutoZone for any any car repairs that you need. All I have to say is get in the zone with AutoZone. AutoZone. 